This is Recorded Future, Inside Security Intelligence. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 215 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. It's fair to say that the explosive growth in ransomware attacks over the past year or so, combined with the big-game-hunting approach from ransomware operators, has set the cyber insurance industry back on its heels. As the direct and indirect costs of cyber attacks have increased, insurance providers have taken a renewed approach to cyber and the role they play in helping set standards for detection, resilience, and incident response. Michael Phillips is chief claims officer of the cyber insurance firm Resilience. He also serves as co-chair of the Ransomware Task Force, convened by the Institute for Security and Technology. He joins us with insider insights on how specialists in the cyber insurance world are adapting to a rapidly evolving landscape. Stay with us. There is a infamous aphorism, I think, that uh, no one chooses uh, to enter into the insurance industry, even though it is, a, you know, qu- a quite a large industry. It's one of the larger uh, financial industries in in, in the world, uh, and I am no different. I did not plan for this, uh, although I've taken a liking to it. Um, I am a lawyer by training, uh, and when I got out of law school, I went uh, to a boutique law firm with some uh, with some history in insurance. The managing partner was uh, a general counsel for a large insurance company before starting his firm. Uh, and even then, I wasn't zeroed in on the insurance racket or the insurance industry for me. Um, you know, a few Opportunities came um, to join a larger firm and to and to join a practice group dedicated uh, to complex insurance issues, and I really did take a liking to it. You know, insurance is about um, trying to measure risk and then to design contracts to perform if certain bad things happen. And and for cyber risk, uh, you know, it's just become extraordinarily uh, complex. Uh, ever-changing and, and, and really a fascinating area. So, you know, it sort of um, magnetized me and, and drove me towards it. But, uh, you know, uh, as a student in law school or, or, or as a young man, I certainly did not imagine uh, being where I am today. Now, can you give us some insights on the the formation and, and day-to-day operations of a firm like like yours that focuses on cybersecurity insurance? Sure. So uh, at Resilience, we uh, pride ourselves on offering uh, expertise across the value chain of, of, of risk, of cyber risk. So for us, that starts with um, risk modeling and data science to, to try to get um, as comprehensive a view as to the threats that firms face and to try to measure the likelihood of those types of events happening. So for us, we have uh, a data science team, uh, folks uh, steeped in computer science, uh, cybersecurity, and we also have actuarial uh, talents as well from a more traditional insurance perspective, all to sort of model what, what's likely to happen. Uh, then we have our, our in underwriting unit, and these are the, these are the experts designed to or, or committed to uh, selling a product and pricing a risk uh, to companies that are, that are trying to face their their cyber challenges in a comprehensive way. So you know, make sure that they are able to transfer the risks that they don't want to keep on their own balance sheets and give that to an insurance company. You know, for me, uh, I lead our claims unit, 
And we're, of course, fulfilling the promises of the insurance policy. But in cyber, it's, it's a bit different than in, in perhaps what we've all experienced in our, with, with uh, frustrating other lines of insurance, our personal lines, whether it's health insurance or auto insurance. Um, you know, with cyber insurance claims, folks, we try to be uh, partners and managers of, of incident response as well. So, you know, that's something that's really um, core to our to our expertise here and something I'm, I'm proud to offer to our clients. And then for us at Resilience, we're really trying to do more than um, just sell an insurance policy. And so for us, we have built out a uh, an extraordinary team of cybersecurity experts who offer proactive consulting, um, a set of tools to help with with cyber risk management, and and a dashboard designed to give companies a sense of where they are uh, against the threats that they may face. Can you take us through a little bit of of the history of cyber insurance? You know how at the outset the the types of things that were offered and and how that has how that has evolved. I, I suspect. Uh, because by necessity, I mean the the, the cyber is, is is nothing if not a rapidly uh, changing field. Well, you're exactly right, and I and I appreciate that question as well because I think historically cyber insurance has not done a great job of telling its story, what it's good at doing, what it's not so good at doing. Uh, what it's trying to do and what it could do better. You know, the the first policies or the first uh, yeah the first policies uh, sold as cyber insurance were really liability focused policies. Um, we would call them technology errors and omissions policies. You know, they arose out of fears like the Y two K. You know, that that software would would fail or or, or uh, hardware would cease to work properly because of the Y two K bug. And from there. Uh, you know, people started selling it as a cyber policy, something that was really focused on the increasing digital age. But it was only focused on that liability risk. Oh, are you going to get sued because you, 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 you know, someone's going to accuse you of doing a bad job at being a software engineer or a security professional or some other type of service uh, professional? Around the time uh, of the first data breach notification laws, so around 2003 when California passed the first law, identifying what a data breach is and, and outlining obligations that a victim of a data breach would have to fulfill if they were a victim. Uh, cyber insurance companies started offering uh, policies that had that liability uh, coverage that we just talked about, but also tried to offer something to respond to help with the incident response and the data breach ob- legal obligations. So what we see in the early 2000s is cyber policies uh, that offer coverage for the legal fees, for the forensic investigators, um, and potentially the notification costs or even credit monitoring offers to consumers if that's where the breach uh, investigation goes, uh, as well as those liability costs. And for a long while, that those two buckets of coverage were really the core of a cyber policy, uh, the incident response and the liability. What we see as ransomware uh, becomes increasingly destructive and prevalent And as companies truly digitize their operations and rely on computer computers and internet connected systems to operate, is that the cyber market added additional coverages uh, to cover business interruption losses like income loss, uh, data recovery or system restoration uh, costs, coverage for those types of uh, of labor and expertise. And then for ransomware to include uh, coverage for the negotiation of ransoms, if that needs to be to happen, to do the due diligence around recovery of in a ransomware event, 
and, uh, and even to cover the ransoms themselves if they need to be paid. And so that's where we, we get to the present day, um, where a cyber policy tends to have each of those uh, sets of coverages in it. Uh, and we're really at a fascinating moment because the ransomware epidemic has reached such uh, severe proportions that um, I think there's a lot of rethinking of, uh, of how cyber insurance uh, should operate. Can you help me understand, you know, if, if I'm a, a business, let's just say for the sake of argument, I'm a small to medium-sized business, and I'm out there talking to my commercial insurance provider, uh, and I ask them about cyber, what's the difference between the types of things that they're able to offer me versus what a dedicated practitioner such as yourself is going to have available? I, I think that's a, a great question, because a lot of a lot of the market refers to cyber insurance in um, a less than precise way. You know, they look at the uh, a traditional general liability policy or a business owner's policy, and they look for uh, perhaps a term or a, a set of coverage that might relate to a cyber attack or a criminal uh, event that uh, involves uh, the Internet or Internet-connected systems. And that I would tell you is not cyber insurance. And I would, if I were your, uh, you know, your commercial insurance advisor or your broker, I would say, if you're if you're concerned about cyber risk, and I think in this day and age, every organization should be uh, prioritizing their management of cyber risk, uh, then they have to look at what what might be called the standalone cyber insurance marketplace or the affirmative cyber insurance marketplace because firms like ours, and, and we are not alone, but firms like ours are offering a policy that is exclusively dedicated to all of the things that, um, all of the types of loss that a cyber criminal can impose, as well as the other types of loss that um, in a digital world firms may face, whether that's uh, business interruption caused by system failures, um, whether that is a social engineering uh, style loss where an employee is deceived into sending money uh, to a cyber criminal when they think they may be sending it to an appropriate business partner. Uh, my, first, my first concern would be making sure that you're, you are getting the truly designed for cyber risk uh, cyber insurance offering. The second thing is that uh, amongst the specialty firms that offer true cyber insurance, we are all competing to offer, uh, to speak proactively to the risk as well and to support the information security professionals at, it, at your organization, whether that be by offering threat intelligence or um, vulnerability uh, advisories, or whether that's to actually to, to push out tools um, or patches that can help help a firm get better. You know, insurance doesn't want to simply be there for the crisis or the loss. We want to be a partner throughout the life cycle. Maybe we can help mitigate uh, losses from happening in the first place. Uh, so a number of us are competing on that basis as well. You know, as we've seen um, cyber policies uh, increase in price and, and narrow their focus, I think um, there's been some folks who wonder if, if this is – viable long term you know could cyber insurance policies go the way of flood insurance you know where it, it's it's really not a great business for for-profit companies to be in and so ultimately it gets backed by the government um i'm curious what your thoughts are there in terms of the direction we're headed sure well um the market is turning. You know, we are in um, an extraordinary moment in the insurance cycle, you know, which is um, which is sort of the technical term for when losses become more severe and more frequent and underwriters are forced to reevaluate their strategy 
uh, change their pricing, you know, as, as you've as you've identified or narrow the focuses of their coverage. And it's natural to wonder whether uh, cyber risks such as the ransomware epidemic may only get more severe. And then uh, and that as a result, it is not it doesn't make sense for it to be a, a an area for a private risk market. It should essentially be either, you know, the. Uh, every organization for itself or externalized out to the public uh, in the form of uh, government support. I'm optimistic that um, the insurance market is uh, viable in the long term and sustainable and will continue to grow. Um, we have been, you know, speaking as an industry uh, uh, person, I'll say I know that we have been investing deeply in improving our cyber risk expertise, our, our modeling of, of the threats. And I think that we can reach a sustainable place. And we're going to, we're only going to do that though, if we are working better with government, uh, you know, sharing the tremendous data sets that we have as insurers, uh, working across borders as we can do as multi, typically multinational firms, uh, perhaps in ways that it's, it's tough for governments to do. And if we, if we also help clients, if we help organizations identify those cybersecurity tools, processes, standards uh, that truly can make them uh, resilient in the face of attacks like, like ransomware um, and, and encourage them to do it and not, not serve as an either or choice between insurance or security, but to, but to help them make uh, wise decisions about both ensuring those risks that can't be otherwise managed, uh, but also to help them manage those risks that can be managed uh, in-house uh, through uh, mature security uh, practices. You also serve as the co-chair of the Ransomware Task Force, which was uh, convened by the Institute for Security and Technology. Um, what, is, uh, what is that all about? Can you share with us what, what is your work uh, there? It, it has been a tremendous uh, experience for me personally, but more importantly, I think it, it just, it, it's been an opportunity for folks across sectors, the private sector, the public sector, uh, law enforcement, public policymakers, large tech firms like Microsoft, uh, to speak with one voice that ransomware is no longer an isolated cyber crime, something like a credit card fraud that sort of um, you know is dealt with fairly privately or you know or, or just a cost of doing business, but has r- risen to a level of, of national security threat. Um, you know, for me as an insurance person, uh, get, having the opportunity to co-chair it. You know, what I found is that uh, cyber insurance has not done a great job of speaking to its strengths and what it does. You know, when I think about um, our claims experience in cyber insurance, ransomware is a claim that gets paid. You know, ransomware is a claim that gets paid uh, across each of the insuring agreements that we that we offer. And yet we are uh, cyber insurance is uh, the subject of criticism and, and, and has been. Um, the subject of, you know, sort of close scrutiny during the task force's work. And it's funny because, of course, when I think about criticizing the insurance industry as a citizen of the U.S. or as a, as a client of a health insurance firm, you know, I often think I'm mad at my insurance company because they're making it difficult for them to pay me for the, what I'm claiming. And, of course, ransomware is the exact opposite. You know, people are, um, are curious about, about what we're up to when we are fulfilling our promises and paying those claims. Uh, you know, from the, the the task force's work really was focused on pursuing a, a comprehensive uh, package of solutions to the ransomware uh, challenge. Uh, unfortunately, there is no silver bullet, and so we ended up laying out in late April uh, a report with a suite of recommendations across helping organizations better prepare 
helping them better respond if they are victims of ransomware, as well as looking systemically at disrupting the criminal's business model and deterring those nation states that provide safe haven to the criminals. Uh, so it, it was just an extraordinary effort and, and one that we're trying to uh, you know, continue to uh, uh, proselytize to public policymakers and to private sector actors so that way we can uh, bend the curve together. Were there any uh, insights that you gained from being part of the task force that you were able to bring back to your colleagues in the insurance world? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. You know, to me, uh, it starts with the fact that one thing that I heard often from cybersecurity experts uh, was their concern that the cyber insurance industry was providing organizations with a false choice that they could easily ensure their risk and not think deeply about um, having uh, installed best practices or appropriate cybersecurity tools at their organizations, and that that, that alone would solve their problems. And so uh, the concern was that we were, in effect, driving standards down or depressing uh, security standards at organizations, that we were not requiring firms to uh, think maturely about what they can do to prevent uh, ransomware attacks or to secure themselves against risks uh, of cybercrime. And, and I think, uh, you know, I've taken that message back to, uh, to companies uh, like mine and to our business partners and, and really tried to redouble our efforts to convey how the insurance sector should be uh, helping drive standards up to a place where organizations see the roadmap ahead of them and can, and can take the next step on their cyber journey to become more resilient. Uh, one thing that I think the insurance sector has often failed to do, uh, except through the pricing signal, I suppose, is say, these, these are the standards that we want you to meet. Um, and the, if you do not meet those standards, this is uh, how we are going to incentivize you to meet them in the future. Uh, and I think that that challenge now is, is one that's really at the center of the market's turn, uh, along with you know, our reevaluation of you know, how, how well do we underwrite to these risks. Yeah, it strikes me that there's a there is a, a strong potential for influence there. I mean, in the same way that uh, you know we have sprinklers and fire extinguishers and and fire escapes in buildings because uh, folks are incentivized by their insurance providers to do so. Uh, so you know, so could it be for cyber? I I, I couldn't agree with you more, I, and I think that that's something that because. It's, it's almost because it's so exciting of a field and there have been so many competitors uh, in the cyber insurance space that um, the market dynamics haven't permitted historically for us to drive standards upward in the way that we would want them to as, as citizens, to have those sprinklers, to have the fire escapes, you know, to make sure that the materials uh, that are, that are you know, constructing our world are resilient in the face of natural elements. And now we do have that opportunity because the more reckless underwriters are realizing that they've been losing their shirts the last couple of years on ransomware, that they have taken silly bets, that they have lowered their standards too far, and that they, uh, you know, that they're not profitable anymore. And when that happens, that's when insurance is is incentivized to serve in, a, in that kind of private governance role uh, that I think a lot of folks really want us to serve. You know, not just fulfill a promise pay a claim, you know, uh, in the individual uh, relationship, but also to think systemically and to think about how we can serve uh, in, in that, in that inter, in interstitial space between the private organization thinking, hey, I've got limited resources, what can I do uh, and what do I want to do? And the government who may have, you know, a bit of a blunt instrument in, in some of the regulatory uh, proposals that could say, 
you must have this cybersecurity standard or you're, you know, or you're subject to some sort of civil or civil penalty or something like that. Insurance can be a, a lot more dynamic um, solution to the problem of identifying standards and incentivizing organizations to meet them. For the listeners in the cyber insurance industry, my core message is that the ransomware crisis is an opportunity for us to share the expertise that we do have as voices for victims, given that we have, um, you know, helped to help many, many firms recover from ransomware. Our thanks to Michael Phillips from cyber insurance firm Resilience. Don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Futures Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web. Cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com slash intel. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast production team includes coordinating producer Caitlin Mattingly. The show is produced by The Cyberwire with executive editor Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Music.